Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Scripture that I want to read from for our sermon is this. It's in 2 Peter, and it's the last verse. So it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And it says this. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. That's the title of the sermon, Growing Grace. You know, have you noticed, September, every year, when you go out driving around, you go to work, and um, see the kids go back to school, don't you? After their long summer holiday. And you know the children that are in the first year. I call it the first year, but kids call it year eight or ten. I, I just can't get my head around it because, you know, it's for me it's the first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. That's what I remember. But you see these little boys and girls going to school with their new school uniforms on. And uh, nine out of ten, the blazer, if that's what they call it, is slightly big on the little boy, isn't it? Slightly big because they're so expensive. And mum and dad are hoping their little boy will grow into the blazer, you know. I think that's what they do. So, never works. (laughs) (laughs) They buy a pair of shoes oversized, do they? No, no, because they'll get long toes or something like that. So, uh, but you understand what I'm saying, don't you? You know, because the parents know that their children are going to grow up. We need to grow up. That's what Christians need to do. So, before we continue, Father, we do pray. Please help me uh, with um, preaching the word of God, that it will be a blessing to our ears and to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, You know, some of you, you are long in the tooth. And you could probably preach the sermon, actually, because the Christian life, you would agree with me, it begins with a birth, isn't it? We, um, upon receiving Jesus, we become born again, don't we? And I'll show you. Go to John's Gospel. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, we read from the outset that there's kind of a a birth involved in our Christian life. And it says in John, chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which 
were born not of the blood, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we become born of God. We become born again. And we, Nicodemus, when he heard this sort of information in John chapter 3, you know that passage, that well-known passage about Jesus talking about being born again. He, as a teacher of Israel, thought that he had to go back into his mother's womb as an adult and somehow get reborn, you know, which it's quite humorous that the Bible has that thought there, but that's not the case, is it? We all know that. But as a teacher of Israel, he did not know that. And, and probably, I mean, it was, I was 25 before I heard the expression, you must be born again. And we picture Nicodemus probably as an old man, as a, a, an old professor of some description. So, and maybe you're older in years and probably never heard of it before. But we must be born again. And uh, I say this to you, being born again separates the gospel from religion. Because all through our lives, we are familiar with hearing the word religion or religious. But here is what separates the two. We, we kind of are religious, but we've got something better. And that is that God has allowed us to be reborn into his kingdom. Uh, religion, you could say it like this, is religion is man's effort to reach up to God. But salvation, which is what we understand about being born again, salvation is God coming down to man to, to make him a new creation. That's what it is. And that's the difference between the message of the gospel and having religion. You know, right now, you know, I don't want to discriminate, but the, the Muslims, they've got their own hall over the other side of the car park. They have religion. Their prophet is a guy called Muhammad. He did not come down from heaven, but Jesus came down from heaven, didn't he? We read the Bible, we read the gospel accounts, and he came down from above. He says, before Abraham was, I am. So we know he is like the manna that came from above to feed the children of Israel. He said, I am the bread of life. So we feed off him. And uh, it's, we have to say, we stop at this point and say, it is wonderful that God himself has given us this opportunity to be new creation, to have that new birth. And what happens after birth? Thank you, Mayette. Thank you. We have what you call growth, which means we have to grow up. We have to be... Fed by, with milk, 
in the bottle or, or otherwise, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to ask you, this is my first point, and it's a question. What is it to grow in grace? It's a good question. What is it to grow in grace? Well, it's this. Firstly, I will say this. What it's not. It's good to understand what it's not. And that is, it's not becoming more saved after you've been converted. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I got born again, when I was hearing about heaven and hell and about unforgiven sin in my life and the sins that I'd committed, I, I needed assurance to know that I'd been forgiven. I think we all want that. We've all got this uncertainty in our lives. We've come from this uncertain past of darkness and sin, and etc., etc. But we kind of want to get saved every day. We want to ask Jesus into our life every day for a, for a period of time. And, but you don't have to do that. Because the first time you do it, he will come. You know? He says, we were talking about this on Friday night, come unto me, you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. And uh, we come that first time, and he will come into us. He says, you know, somewhere in Revelation 3.20, um, Knock on the door will be, no, it's not that one, is it? I, I've forgotten the verse, but it's about him coming into our hearts. All right? I stand at the door and knock. That's it. That's it. It's not becoming more pardoned than when we were converted. We want forgiveness. Everybody wants forgiveness for their sins. The guy on the cross that died next to Jesus, and he said, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How many times did he say that? Only once. And Jesus only said it once. You know, today you will be with me in paradise. So we don't have to keep repeating, Lord, save me. He'll save you. All right? And um, it's not becoming more justified because once Jesus has forgiven you, you can be rest assured you're forgiven, you know. There's another parable of the two men that went up into the temple and um, one a Pharisee and one a publican. Do you remember that? I think it's Luke 18. And one said, oh Lord, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like other people, adulterers and thieves and robbers, etc., etc. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not like that tax collector over there. You know, it was a selfish prayer. And, and the poor publican said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He only said it once. The Lord heard him. So sometimes we keep reminding the Lord, oh, did Jesus forgive me for that sin 10 years ago or, or something like that. He has heard you the first time if it is a prayer of faith. So we're talking about growing in grace. J.C. Ryle, uh, a Victorian minister from Liverpool. Pardon? Okay, thanks, Tom. 
but he was a great preacher. He wrote a book on holiness. But J.C. Ryle said, when I speak of growth in grace, I mean increase in the degree, the size, the strength, vigour and power of graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. That's what God can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can plant the graces of Scripture like love and um, patience, meekness, kindness. He can put those things in your hearts. How wonderful is that? Oh, thank you, Dom. <laughs> so, when we look around us, we... You know, we, we could look in the church. We can look at each other. We can remember each other 5, 10, 15 years ago. Um, life is like this. You know, we expect physical growth throughout life, don't we? You, when's the last time you see somebody who's had a baby? Um, maybe you saw them pregnant and, you know, at first, nothing was showing in the tummy. But very slowly, it, people become aware that somebody's got something inside, a lady, I should say, got something inside them, and, and they're expecting a baby. And you know, from your early school days, that something that resembled a tadpole went somewhere, right? And, and, and forgive me for saying this, right? But, you know, a baby was formed, and that baby outgrew that womb. You know, and the day came when that baby had to come out into the big wide world crying and, you know, letting us all know that they are here. And that happens. And does, that's a good question, does a baby remain a baby? It doesn't. It's going to grow up. You give it a bit of milk, you give it a bit of baby food, you give it a bit of bread, and they become... A handsome man like me. <laughs> At some point, you hope, you hope. But if if they're not going to grow up, you're going to get worried, aren't you? You're going to panic. You know, I, I went to someone's home on Friday and they had a baby in the house. And it, it, I, I, I went to see the grandparents and their daughter came round. And they've got this little baby Arthur. And he, he was crying. I'm not used to babies, you know, so if they're going to cry like that, keep them further away from me because it, it really does pierce the ears. Anyway, what the grandma, granny, told me, she said, this is a lockdown baby, Arthur, and he's not used to strangers. And I realised she's right. You know, babies that were born in lockdown, like I told Mayette this, she said, Mayette, I met little Arthur, uh, Ricky's grandchild, and he was crying when he saw me because we weren't used to seeing people, weren't used to being with people. And Mayette reminded me that little Elizabeth was exactly the same. You remember when she was born and we didn't see each other for a while, did we? Remember, because of lockdown. And then when we all met up, there she was... <laughs> you know, so but she's growing up. She doesn't do that anymore. 
And, and this little Arthur, I think they said to me, oh, he's not talking yet, he's not walking yet, because parents, grandparents, they panic. They get worried if they're not talking or walking at, at a certain time. But they will eventually. And life is like this. We expect physical growth. Consider the flowers of the field, says the Lord Jesus. You know, daffodils come from little bulbs. And you ask Marjorie, she's got plenty of flowers in her garden. And you, you very rarely plant a flower that's very, uh, fully grown, do you? You, you? you like to plant seedlings, don't you, Bob, as a gardener? You know, yesterday and the day before, I very proudly was working in my father's garden, my dad's garden, and uh, picking apples off the apple tree. I felt very proud because I, it's only a small tree like yours, a bit bigger than yours, Nika. Been there a few years, but got so many apples. And in fact, Mayette has kindly made you some apple crumble today that you can eat afterwards. But all of that came from a very small tree, very small little seedling. Somebody, I don't know who it was, planted, do you grow apple trees from the seeds? No. Oh, no. Oh, wait there, mate. Yeah, but someone had to plant a seed to get the sibling, may yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. He's the gardener, Mayette. The pit that is inside the apple. And Bob, that's exactly what's happened with our apple tree. We've got cookers and Granny Smith's on the same tree. Impressive. Oh, I ate one yesterday. I was told by my brother Shane, before you pick them, eat one, so that you know that they're ripe. Delicious. Granny Smith. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, Bob, as a gardener, he plants a seed, he waters it, bit of sunshine, etc. You expect growth. What do you do if there's no growth? Put it out of its misery and throw it. Here we go. Have you? What are you going to do with that tree? It's quite a big tree. Oh, Bob. You're doing something wrong, mate. <laughs> Bob, Bob the gardener had one plum on his tree. I'm sorry, Bob, but... Oh, dear. You ate it, you enjoyed it, made the most of it. So, the gardener expects growth. And we know that somewhere in the scriptures... There is another parable where uh, a master of the garden, he, he goes to the fruit tree, there's no fruit on it. 
So he tells the gardener or someone, can you dig round there, put in some fertiliser, and if we come back in the next year or next two years, if there's no fruit on that, cut it down. God expect who's that, Don? Luke 13. So the Lord himself expects growth from all of us. We're to grow up. And if we're not growing up, there's a problem. He spoke also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree, that's what it was, planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Right. Then he said unto his keeper of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I have become seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down! Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered, he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig around it and dung it. Been overfed. Maybe we need a bit of dung in our life. That might be the moral of the story, Bob. Give it a bit of dung. Poor oh, dearie me, we don't want none of that. Anyway, let me say this to you. Let me move on. I'm going to show you three evidences of growth in men in the Bible. I won't go through the passages, I'll just tell you. Three evidences. First one is Peter. When the Lord was arrested in the garden, he freaked out. He pulled out his knife, he cut someone's ear off, right? He then saw the Lord have to go to the cross. Was he happy about it? He ran away. They all ran away, except John and the ladies. And Peter then goes on a backslide. And does he stay on a backslide? No, he doesn't. When he comes to himself and he sees what the Lord goes through, he is devastated. He, he said, if all men forsake you, I will never forsake you. But when the going got tough, you're not proud about it. And it's interesting because it's Peter that we might go to to read some very, very deep scriptures in his epistles, 1 and 2 Peter. In fact, you can see I've already read from them already. So he goes from backsliding to being a blessing. So there we have growth in the man. Paul the Apostle. Was he always known as Paul the, the Apostle? He was Saul of Tarsus, who went around persecuting the church. So much so that Acts chapter 6, you will see him authorising the death of Stephen. And everybody that was throwing stones laid their coats down at Paul's feet, or Saul's, Saul's feet. And on the Damascus Road, what happens? We ha he has this conversion, born-again experience. And uh, so we know that he says, who is it, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And Paul does not stay at that frame of mind that he was in on the Damascus Road, does he? He becomes that missionary, that apostolic man that goes to the Gentiles. 
And we read the, the Acts of the Apostles, we read Romans, we read Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all these epistles. Paul wrote them all. So we, we read it from the Damascus Road to the Roman Road. He becomes a different can we emulate his lifestyle? Can we emulate his zeal and passion for the Lord God? It would be good, wouldn't it? would be good. What about John, who wrote John's Gospel? Can you remember there was a time when they, in their missionary endeavours for the Lord, they were rejected in a certain town. And he said to the Lord, should we call down thunder on them like Elijah did? Call down fire from heaven. And the Lord rebuked him, saying, you don't know what spirit you are of. And sometimes we're a bit like that. We're a bit hot-headed. We're a bit sort of like aggressive. And, and we don't know what spirit we're of. We're not of the spirit of the Lord. And you see the change in John. You read 1 John and you think, gosh, this is not the same person that was wanting to call down fire from heaven. And John is known as the disciple or apostle of love. Of love. Can that be you? When people speak about you, what would they say? They say, that Nick Tipper, whoa, he's red hot for the Lord. Or that... That Bongo Pete, he's serious for Jesus. He, he read his whole Bible last week alone. Can you imagine somebody describing you to someone else? Huh? It'd be lovely to hear some positive talk. One of Leo's patients at the hospital, they, they, they come back and say, oh, I've been in in touch with that Leo at the urgent care centre. He prayed over me, blew my socks off. Can you imagine someone describing your faith? It'd be good, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely. Maybe we can pray about it at the end of the sermon. My second heading. Another question. What are the evidences of growth in our lives or in your life? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians and see what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. And he says this, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. He's, he's praying, he's saying, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love. Isn't that nice? How much love do we have for someone else? A good question. This much? This much? We, I reckon you could. Someone said this to me about Jesus. They said, Lord, how much do you love us? 
this much. That much. That much. And they nailed him to the cross. How much do we love people? How much do we love our brothers in Christ, our sisters? This much? Or this much? Didn't Jesus say, no greater love has someone than that? He laid down his life for the brethren. That's what the Lord says. If we move forward, Paul repeats the same theme in chapter 4, same letter, chapter 4 and verse 9 and 10. But as such in brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. This church in Thessalonica, they love each other. They care for each other. It's very good. And you know that somewhere, Dom, you might want to put it up there, John thirteen thirty-five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That's what the Lord says. By the way that we love each other. Can we love one another as Christian people? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. There'd probably be a hundred people in this church if people all loved each other and didn't get the hump of one another and then leave and say, oh, I've had enough of you, John Gilbert. I'm off. I'm not coming back. I'm fed up with you. Or someone else in the church. This happens in every church. We're a bad witness to the world because we don't love each other enough. First church I went to, when I got born again, uh, Dom's dad, Graham, took me to this church called Hemel Community Church. In fact, at the time it was called Bourne Valley Church, right? They're having a reunion on the 8th of October. I'm not sure if they want to see me. I'll tell you why. The pastor said to me one day, <laughs> he said, John, I'd like you to say something to the church. He gave me a week to think about it. He said, oh, Bert. He said, I, like, I didn't know what to say. He was asking me to give a little testimony. I was scratching my head. I was very young in the faith. I was like six months old in the Lord, right? And uh, I thought about it for the whole week. I got up the front, I was ready. Do you know what I said? I said, there's not enough love in this church. <laughs> that's, what came, that's what the Lord showed me. That's what came, Jackie, you went there. We went there together, right? And I'll tell you why I said that. I could tell you why I said it. This is worth, it's worth going over it. The pastor, when I said it, do you know what he did? He buried his head in his hands like that, right? <laughs> I didn't want him to say that, but I said it. And the people just went quiet. Do you know why? I'll tell you why I said it. My brother Mark is blind. Now, because he's blind, he can't see anybody, right? 
So he can't get up from the chair and go over and talk shit with you, Bob, and say, all right, Bob, how are you doing, mate? He can't do that. He's blind. He, a blind person, needs you to go to him. Because he can't see you. And he, when I got born again, there was a gang of us young men. We all went to this little church. And Mark used to come. And it was him who told me this. He said, John, you know, I sit in the church. I'm waiting for someone to come and see me, have a chat. And no one comes. Isn't that sad? I mean, come on. Shake your head. That's sad, isn't it? It's the truth. And that's why I said what I said. Because if we love each other, we will care for each other. And think of one another before ourselves. You know, Mayette's cooked a meal for everybody. Why does she do that? She loves you all. She wants all of us to make sure we've had at least one meal this week. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you, Mayette? <laughs> Come on, let me move on. Otherwise you'll start crying. I know when you're crying, we'll be handing out the tissues. It says, Dom, 1 John 3.14. Let's look up that verse. We'll read it, have a little look at it together. This is a very, this is a good subject to consider. Dom's going to find this verse. Check this out, look. We know that we have passed from death unto life because, this is an interesting verse, look, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother. Oh dear! If I said to everybody, hands up who loves their brother, how many hands will go up? Hey? If I said to you, hands up who does not love his brother, how many hands will go up? Shall I do a test? <laughs> I won't. I won't embarrass anybody. 1 Corinthians is a classic. 1 Corinthians 13 is a classic passage about love, isn't it? We all know that? I bet you. Camille, can I pick on you very, very gently? If you were to get married next summer... <laughs> I know you've got to find a boyfriend first. But if you were, and you and your fiancé, whoever, were planning your wedding, you might say, oh, I'd love to have 1 Corinthians 13 read at the wedding. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what we did, didn't we, Matt? Right. But that's what people like to do. They love to have 1 Corinthians 13 at the wedding. That's when you usually hear it. But it's not necessarily a wedding passage. Because, let's go there, yeah? Let's go 1 Corinthians 13. Because, and I'm not going to dissect the whole passage, all right? But I just want to, just clarify a point. That's what I want to do. Listen what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity... I am becoming sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have no charity, I am nothing. And the, the, this is, please let me say this without offending anybody. Why did Paul write this passage? And I'm going to tell you now, because this church got carried away. And people missed the point. The church got carried away with gifts. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other. They got carried away with it. And they put the gifts before love. Even Michael's agreeing with me because he knows. And Jackie, you know, he says if people are going to do that, you're nothing. You've forgotten the most important thing, and that is love. And Dominic, look, look, that sorry, Dom, back to 1 John, you don't have to go there, but that passage of 1 John says, if you ain't loving your brother, you're not even got the life of God in you. It's very important. A murderer. Oh, all right, in Jackie's passage. So I'm just putting things in there in the right perspective. We are nothing without love. Nothing. That's not a good way to be if you want somebody to describe your Christian faith. You have not grown up. And the Lord, this is the whole point of the sermon, to grow in grace. Not just me, but some of you, you are all witnesses. We're all witnesses about how people put gifts before love. Paul goes on further. Look, two, go back to Thessalonians, wasn't it, Dom? Two Thessalonians this time, not, not one, two. He says this, one, three. Two Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 3, check this out. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Wow. If somebody could say this about me, guess what? My head will grow. My head will swell. I wouldn't be able to put my hat on. I've got a hat down here somewhere. If someone said, John, your faith is growing exceedingly. You're so massive in the Lord. My head's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I won't be able to get out the door. What about if someone said that to you? Oh, my. Keep talking. Massage my ego. Oh, yeah? That's what Paul's saying about this church. If we had Apostle Paul come here and said this, we are bound to thank God always for you, new hopers, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Well, we Paul keeps talking. Yeah? I hope you get the point. You know, it's lovely because God has got so many great promises. 
to give us so many. And he can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can implant into our hearts all these graces. And I'm going to tell you the truth, and it breaks my heart to say this. The, the truth of the matter is, if, if Michael mentioned a missionary, uh, Maria, is that right, Michael, Maria? Marie, sorry. Marie married the pastor, and pastor is the pastor to the government in South Africa. Now, you know, they've gone to, to have a look in South Africa at the church that they attend. Is that right? Yeah? You visit their church? Uh, yeah. So it's lovely. And you can say, oh, look at this church. Look at the way they praise the Lord. Look at the way they love each other. Look at the faith in this church. You've got a bird's eye view. That's what people do. Maybe Nika, you did it in the Philippines. You know? We would love people to do it here, but what would they say? Oh, where's the faith in this church? I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking. I'm not trying to put us down, but the truth is, and I'm generalizing with many churches, we're in the nursery slopes of faith. That's where we are. That's not, I'm not just us, but many churches. We don't see God doing lots of things because we don't have faith for it. That's just fact. How are we going to get out of that? How are we going to overcome that? It's like a must, uh, it's like a mountain in our mind that maybe we don't expect God to come through for us. To overcome it with prayer and, and, and activity and getting involved, doing something. Paul says, in one, one Colossians Don, verse 10, he is speaking about having an increase in knowledge. What's your knowledge of God? That's a good question, isn't it? You got there, Don? What do you know about God? Well, you know Jesus rose from the dead, didn't you? Yeah? Someone does. Amen. Oh, do you want one Colossians verse ten? Here we go. Look. Here we go. Let's have a look what Dom said. That you might walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Oh, this is a good verse. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Does anybody know how much they know about God? Don't know, do we? We scratch our head over that one. Huh? Called theology. This, but that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. We want to do that, don't we? In all pleasing Him, we want to please God, don't we? This is a being fruitful in every good work. There's three good points there, and four point. Increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a four-point sermon in one verse. Wow. Who reads their Bibles? Who don't read their Bible? 
Shall I tell you something? I went to a meeting once in Ellsbury. Do you know who turned up? David Pawson. Who's heard of David Paulson? A few of us, right? He's, he's a, a renowned, known, English, Baptist, bit charismatic pastor. And he goes around the church, he preaches. He, he, do you know what he said? He come in and it was packed. The church was packed, right? And he, his introduction was this. He said, who loves the Bible? Every hand went up. Every hand, Jackie, went up in their head. He said, um, who read their Bibles last week? Yeah? Every hand was still up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, who read their Bibles last Saturday? Sunday. And, and then one by one, the hands went down. You know, a few hands went down. Who read their Bibles yesterday? There's probably about ten hands still left in the air, right? And, and he said, I thought you told me you loved your Bibles. It went very quiet. How much we read the Bible shows God how much we love the Bible. Yeah? I'll leave that with you to think about. We don't, we don't, I'm not here to condemn anyone. But if we don't live worthy of the Lord, he ain't going to be very happy, is he? I don't think so. All right, I'll, I'll put it in another context. Do you know more about Jesus Christ now than you did when you was converted. There's an affirmative yes by Nika, yes by Marjorie and Jackie, and Jethro and Bob. Can you, everybody that nodded, get a pat on the back, please. Right? Everyone that didn't get nodded or didn't do a nod, come and see me afterwards. Yes? Let me ask you another question. Do you know more about God now, thank you Karen, than when you were first believing in Jesus? You do. Wonderful. Do you have a greater desire for holiness in your life? You do, don't you? You know? How do you measure that? Okay. Last night I was doing the sermon, working on it, and obviously the telly went on and Strictly Come Dancing came on, you know, just doing all of that, all of that. Maybe I should enter next time, yeah, next year. And I, I, I saw a little bit while I was just sort of in between a few things, and there's a woman called Fleur East, she's a singer I think, and she came on and did a bit of dancing. But I, I did watch, and then it got a bit sensual. You know what I'm saying? And I, I like, had to look away. I didn't want it to look at it. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see a woman who's barely got much on, right, a few tassels. I didn't want that in my head, you see. Why? I don't want to defile my thoughts before the Lord. 
You know what I'm saying? I worked. Bob, the telly went on. Right? Pardon? Okay. I wanted to watch, read, I'm doing my Bible sermon, Bob. All right? But the telly went on. Okay? And it was just on. And we had a little look. I didn't watch the whole program. It will be on for the next three months. I'm not interested in it. Tony Adams, the Arsenal defender, he's doing it. He's in it. And now my interest was who's in it. That's probably it. But what I'm trying to say is, when it got a bit sexy, I had to look away. I didn't want to see it. Because I, I want to be holy. But you know what I'm saying. You go to the pictures, what do you see? You, you don't know what you're going to see. You don't know what to expect when you go see a movie. You don't know what it's about. And then suddenly it's like, oh, dearie me, I can't watch it. Can you? Because God wants you to be holy, undefiled, to grow in the grace of the Lord. Let me move on because I've, I've shared a lot. Last point, and it's another question. What are the means that God uses to help us grow in grace? It's obvious. The first one is this, the word of God, isn't it? And if I went back to Peter once again, who knew what it was to be backslidden, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, and you know this verse, as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If you want to grow in grace, if you want to grow in the Lord and be considered worthy of the Lord, read the Bible. Take hold of it. And if you can't read a lot, just read a little and put it down and think about it. Have a cup of tea, have a biscuit. Think about what you read. Think about this verse. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And you will grow and mature in the Lord. I mean, some people don't like milk in their tea or their coffee. I don't like milk in my coffee unless I have a cappuccino. But I like milk in my tea. And I like the... Pure milk of the word. Because I'm going to grow in the Lord. I don't get tired of reading the Bible. You know, because it's the way that God can shape you. It's the way that God can mould you. It's the way that God can develop you. If you will feed off his word. You will become the spiritual person that he wants you to be. And... You have to admit, Nika would admit to this and agree with me, you know, the Lord, if he wants to speak to you, he will use his word, which is sharper than a double-edged sword. You know, the Jewish children, when they were eight days old, they got circum the boys got circumcised. Ooh, very painful. However, if you're a true Christian, God is able to circumcise 
your hearts with the word of God. He can take the word and the flesh of our hearts, he can cut away at it and make you spiritual person. God can do that. All you've got to do is read it. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. That's one verse. That's 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. Laying aside, am I, have I got malice in my heart? Maybe you have. Have I got guile in my heart? Maybe you got that. Have I got hypocrisy in my heart? That's three different things. Maybe we all have. Have I got envy? Have I got, am I evil speaker of somebody? God says, lay it aside. So I take that on board and say, no evil speaking, right? You see, God's word is able to shape me, shape my mind, shape my thoughts. What else God uses? Trouble and experience. How do we know? Well, we can read Romans 5, or we can go and talk to Job, or not talk to him because we know he's not around, but we can read the book of Job, and we can say, this man had trouble. Beyond belief. How about a devotional life? Do Seven days in a week, yes? 30 days a month, most months. 31 on the sun. What's your devotional life like? How much time in the day or the week do you set aside to say, do you know what? I'm going to shut the door... I'm going to turn off my telephone. I'm going to turn off Strictly Come Dancing. All right, Bob. I'm going to not watch any of these, but and I'm going to just spend a little time with Jesus. Maybe I can sing a song. My faith looks up to thee. Oh, I've got an old hymn book. It's very, very old. I had a look in it the other day and I, I read a couple of very old hymns and I love them. And I, I've been exploring some older hymns and I like them. Maybe you can do that. Get a little hymn book, shut the door, have a quiet time, sing a hymn, say a prayer, read a bit of scripture. That is devotion with you and Jesus. You might think that you're too busy. You might think that you're, it's, you're not like that. But I'll tell you what, Jesus will love you if you take time aside and spend a little bit of time with him. He will be captivated and he'll whisper in your ear some special things. You will grow in grace. Do you want that? He uses public worship, that's what God does, and service. He uses the fellowship of other believers in your life. And I'm going to close now. I've got a question to ask as I close. Are you growing? If not, why not? Yes?
Are you putting other things before your growth in the Lord? What do we have to do? We have to discipline ourselves. Say, Lord, please forgive me for being too busy spending time with you. Yeah? Growing in grace. All right, we'll leave it there and uh, let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you for this morning and for this opportunity. Once again, Lord, to be able to hear the word of God, to be able to just fellowship with each other and uh, to focus on hearing the truth, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, it is obviously evident to you if you examine us through and through that you can see that we've backslidden or we, we're not where we should be in our Christian walk with you. I pray, Lord, for me, for everybody, for all of us, whether it's the youngest one here or the oldest, that you would help us, all of us, to cultivate uh, our Christian walk with you, that we would be able to grow in grace, that we might come to that place of maturity where people could point the finger at us and say, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. That's a, that's a, a teenager of God. Lord, help us to, to put you first. Help us to learn to love one another. That we can have assurance, Lord, that we pass from death to life. Father, please help us to make these things possible in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.